Hi, guys. Hi. I'm Gage. And I'm Ray. Oh, and I'm Squidward. And you are listening to Car Report. <laughs> that was a good one. I'm glad you, I'm glad you appreciated it. It was kind of like last minute. I don't know. Squidward needed to join in. Three hours later. I just felt it, you know? <laughs> so, hi, everybody. As always, we hope you're having a good week this week and a good life. A good life. And if you're new here, then hi. Welcome. Hello. And yes, I've got great news. Wonderful news. Wonderful news. You can now find our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Yay! The part of Cast Apples. The part of Cast Apples. Precisely, precisely. That is really exactly. cool, though. Yeah. So that makes Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So for those of you who have been wanting to listen to us, but simultaneously do not want to use Spotify, well, we got great news for you. <laughs> Now you don't have to, so that is pretty exciting. We found that out a few days it's ago. super exciting, and all I have to say is cheers. We couldn't have made it happen without any of you, so thanks to all of you. Again, as we say, at least every episode or every other episode, we love you. We love you. We love you so much. And you're our babies. And we'd be nothing without you. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Absolutely, positively nothing. And as usual, if you guys would like to follow me and Ray and all of our weird, weird, well, you definitely can by staying tuned to the end of this episode. And that's when we will announce all of our social media platforms so you can go and stalk us. Yeah, well, hopefully and- not really stalk, but you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, well, we would definitely love to hear you guys' opinions. Uh, we absolutely love when you guys reach out to us. We get the notifications almost immediately. And... You know, we we just want to be very involved with our listeners. We so, fangirl over all of you. We do. We definitely do. And we don't want you guys to feel shy about reaching out to us. Um, we actually encourage that, and we would love to hear from you. Absolutely. So, you know, if you're just having the hankering to talk to one of us, then you can. <laughs> <laughs> well, today's case is the revisited story of Kendrick Johnson. Mm-hmm. If you've listened to the original case that we posted two weeks ago, which it wasn't up for very long, but you'll recall that Victoria Mullins requested this case. And in my first analysis, I missed a lot of things in this case or was led astray by misinformation. And we took the we took it down because we just gage and i just weren't happy with how the overall thing came out there wasn't enough information as i told you guys um last week you know i wasn't doing so great but i learned my lesson and i it just fueled me even more to get this right we definitely have a standard of accuracy and care that we want to uphold so you know the minute that you guys reached out and said something about the misinformation and the facts not being a 100% quite right. We took that very seriously. And here we are two weeks later, as promised. Yes. And so, I'm very excited to hear what you've done. This I'm excited. case today is a much more in-depth dive into what really happened. Correcting mistakes I made with the last one and bringing to light things that I did not happen upon my first go round. Mm-hmm. So even I was even more shocked. Uh, so even if you did listen to the original coverage, I would ask you all to give this episode your attention so you can get all the facts, um, instead of, you know, if you did hear the old one relying on that old information. Exactly. Uh, so as I said before, there are many opinions, theories, and speculation circulating this case, but our listeners gave us some good sources to check into, and I did just that and found so much more. 
This happened back in 2013, and I actually remember this case being covered on the news and the uproar that happened afterward. The protests, the call to action, and the overall collective outrage at how this case was handled. Mm -hmm. It was just emotional then, and it's still emotional. Yeah, and if you guys don't know, if you didn't listen to the original Kendrick Johnson case, uh, this is actually a home case for me and Ray. Um, yeah. I'm We're from Georgia. I've been here my whole life. Valdosta is literally only a couple of hours away from me. So this is like a, you know, a local home case for yeah. me and Ray. So I also vaguely remember this being brought up because yeah. I won't lie. I didn't really learn much about this case until recently, but I do or in name. I remember it being brought up. So, well, this case was widely spread and it was all over the news and the Internet because there are just so many motions behind this case. I just want to bring you just the facts and you can make your own analysis. We're going to approach it as unbiased as possible because we can only speculate what happened to this young man. We weren't there and we unfortunately don't have all the answers. This case is still unsolved to this day and it's frustrating because you want justice for him. However, as time has passed since 2013, a lot of new things has come to light mm -hmm. and as I was researching my second go round, I even found things that, you know, as I told you, shocked me. Like I was just like, I do not remember any of this. And yeah. So it's it's pretty deep. You got shocked all over again, pretty all much. All over again. Yeah. So here we go. Kendrick Johnson was a 17 year old from Valdosta, Georgia. Born on October 10th, 1995. So, Gage, he was born one day before you. Yeah, literally. I know I was just about to say that literally one day before because obviously I'm I'm October 11th. I'm as Libra as Libra can be. But no, that is that is weird. It's kind of sad to think about because he would have been your age and just think of like all the things this poor soul has missed out on. Yeah, I, I can't. I literally, literally can't. But uh, he was born to Jacqueline and Kenneth Johnson. His nickname was KJ, which I think is a pretty cool nickname. I think that's cute, honestly, KJ. His family describes Aww. KJ as the light of their home. He was a quiet and respectful kid, and he was a funny kid. Like, he wasn't quiet, like, offstandish quiet. Yeah. He was just, you know. To himself, yeah. To himself. Um, they said he was a bit of a jokester. He was a kind soul, and the one person that brings them all joy to be around. Aww. He was... An athlete, he played three different sports, but his favorite was football. And his dream was to play college football after he graduated. He was just an all-around joy to be around, and his absence is definitely felt at their house. Oh, oh my he God. He attended Lowndes High School in Lowndes County, and that is where he was found, sadly. Oh, my God. I want to make a side note about Valdosta before we get into the bits. It has a reputation that racism is still alive and well there, unfortunately. If any of our listeners are outside the U.S., yes, racism is still a thing. It's still happening here in the U.S., and it happens every single day. It's sad. And not just to one race. It happens to everyone. Um, I'm not saying that everyone from Valdosta is racist. I'm saying that there have been multiple instances where people have reported racist actions or behaviors from within Valdosta. Mm -hmm. And in today's time, I think it's just crazy that racism is still a thing. There's a lot of generational inheritance from racism because 
racism is not an innate thing. You are not born with this. And it is taught exactly. to individuals of a young age where their beliefs normally mirror their parents. So it's how the vicious machine continues. It's a perpetual thing, unfortunately. But this is a case of a young black man who died tragically. No matter how he died, if it was accidental or intentional, it is still a loss. His presence is still grieved. And the sheriff and the investigators are all white. So there have been some side-eye glances toward them because of how badly they botched this investigation. And I'm not trying to spin a narrative. This is just the facts of the case. And you'll see how racism may or may not play a factor here. It's pretty terrible. So just keep this in the back of your mind as you listen, as you make your own assumptions on whether this case was handled the way it was because Kendrick was black. And we also have to think, if this was a white student, would this case still be handled in the same manner as Kendrick? Exactly. Because things get downright sketchy the further I get into the story. This case was botched, like botched, like JonBenet Ramsey botched. Extremely so. And that's another case I'll be covering in the future. But you have to wonder, with a city like Valdosta that has a reputation of racism, and I've read many stories about this topic, don't at me, could there be a touch of the schism regarding how this crime was handled, or was it just plain incompetence within their station? Once again, I'm not spinning a narrative that they were racist. I'm not there, so all I have is speculation. But we will get nowhere if we can't ask the questions that people shy away from. And an open dialogue about racism is something I find important. Well, I mean, it's definitely important because it's like you said, we can't lay anything for concrete because there is no concrete answer as to what happened to Kendrick. But it is believable that something happened, obviously, as sad as as sad as it is, if that possibility of racism not being a part of this exists, there's that other possibility that it did. Yeah. And it is. And it's like you said earlier, you know, you look at this case on a basis of if this happened to a white student or a white, a white person, I can confidently say that I, I think it would have been handled much more seriously and be uh, a much more attention and attentiveness and care would have been given to it. So, I mean, it's like Ray was saying, no, we're not spinning a narrative, but I like the point you, you make when you say, if we don't talk on the topics that make people uncomfortable, then I don't think we're going to get any real answers. And this unfortunately seems to be a big thing that plays a part in it. Yes, You know, I mean, to, at least in my eyes and my heart, I believe it does. I, I believe to- it always question as far as this case is concerned was there a personal bias against kendrick for the color of his skin in regards of how his case was treated Mm -hmm. and that's just something we need to keep in mind regarding this case going forward absolutely um we're not about playing the race card here we are all about both sides of the story i am just relaying things because as we get into this story you're gonna go hmm Hmm. Well, that's a little weird. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So Thursday, January 10th of 2013, CCTV caught KJ walking into the school gym at 1.30 p.m. At this school, they had an old gym and a new gym. The old gym was kind of smaller than the new gym and was regularly used as storage as well, Mm -hmm. but only like around the perimeter of the gym. There were gym mats that were rolled up and kind of put in the corner. The bleachers weren't those big bleachers that retract out and basically take up the whole wall. These were like the 
small metal ones, and there were these gym mats stored in the corner between the bleachers and the wall. Some of these mats were stood up on their end vertically, and others were kind of laid on their side. Mm -hmm. And they were rolled up really tightly. My school actually had these mats. Mine did, too. We used them for wrestling, cheerleading, things of that nature. So these gym mats were six feet tall and three feet wide when they were rolled up. So they're huge. Mm -hmm. His disappearance took place in this old gym, and there were four CCTV cameras that filmed Kendrick at 1.30 p.m. walking into the gym. He was going to be staying after school that day to watch a freshman basketball game. And when it was finished, he was supposed to go straight home. Because, like, in the old gym, they would hold, like, smaller events. Mm -hmm. You know how school events usually run late into the evening anyway sometimes. Yeah, totally. But around 10 p.m., he hadn't showed up at the house, and he hadn't called. So Jackie, KJ's mother, realized he hadn't made it home from school. And she waited for a little while, hoping he would show up. But unfortunately... He was a no-show. So she went out looking for him. She went straight to the school and drove around the school a couple times to see if he was hanging out with any friends or walking anywhere nearby. Maybe he got distracted on his way home. She didn't know if something bad had happened, but she continued to hope that she'd find him. It's like, I'm going to find him, but I'm going to kill him at the same time. <laughs> right, right. She continued to search for quite a while. She's driving around. She's asking other people if they'd seen him. She's calling his cell phone and getting no answer. So by midnight, she's like wigging out. And she decides to call the police to report Kendrick as a missing person. Oh, my heart. Uh, apparently, she had, I guess, contacted the bus. And indeed, he had gone to school, but he hadn't come home. She has no idea where her son is. There's literally no trace of him. And as a parent, this is terrifying. I couldn't imagine. The police were like, okay, he's a teenager. He's probably just out fucking around with his friends and ditched his mom. However, he didn't come home at any time during the night. Oh, my God. So the morning of January 11th, Jackie went up to the school and she's talking to the teachers and administrators like, have you seen Kendrick? What was he doing the last time you saw him? Was he in school for the whole day yesterday? Like, tell me something that tells me that my child may be all right. And she figured if he stayed out all night and crashed with a friend, he would definitely be at school the next day. You know, thinking maybe maybe I couldn't get him on the phone because his phone died or something. Yeah, you know, anything. Anything. She was really hoping to catch him and find out what happened last night and why he didn't call and why he didn't come home. And when you can't reach your child and you don't know what might have happened, the waiting game next to the phone is excruciating. Like I'm telling you, I seriously, I'm not a parent. I could not imagine. The school could offered imagine. to help with all of this. Mm -hmm. And they began pulling up attendance files to see if he had indeed come into school. However, he was marked as absent on the 11th. And they said, why don't we print out missing person posters and ask around in the school to see if some kids might have, you know, known what happened or where he is. Maybe some student or one student may know something somewhere, you're right, thinking. Right, something. Any little bit of information as to where he is right now is crucial. They were beginning to put flyers up around the campus, and this is when Jackie finds out from teachers that Kendrick didn't show up for his third and fourth period classes the day before. On the 10th. 
on the 10th. Oh, my goodness. So this was crucial information because that's narrowing in on what time he actually went missing. Yeah, and that's honestly scary as shit, too, if you think about, like, he went missing in the middle of a school day. Yeah. In the middle of a school day. Like you show up. In broad daylight. Like you show up for the first half of your classes, but not the second half. Like, what the hell? So they look at the CCTV footage, and he was filmed entering the old gym at 1.30 p.m., as I said earlier. Mm -hmm. He walks into the gym on the 10th after 1.30, and he misses his classes. So automatically kind of putting things together. At 10.30 a.m. that morning on the 11th, This group of kids who, according to some sources, a couple of these kids were the superintendent, Wes Taylor's daughters. So these kids are hanging out in the old gym and something white is sticking out the top of one of these gym mats. It caught their eye. Mm -hmm. So side note, these rolled up wrestling mats were frequently played on, sat on. Some kids would hide their gym shoes. Because the old gym, from my understanding, had lockers, but you had to pay to use them. Yeah. I guess. So it was an area of the gym that students migrated to often because they would hide their belongings in this mat. Well, I remember when I was in high school, not, you know, with the putting things back there, but I remember seeing kids all the time sitting on these big mats. I've even sat on them a few times. Right. You know, that's just something everybody did. Right. So the gym mat was vertical against the wall, and looking over at it, you would see something white sticking out of the top. Oh, my God. And they started to walk over out of curiosity and then realized that the white thing is white socks with feet in them. They immediately call a teacher over, and they laid the gym mat on its side, and they were immediately overwhelmed with the smell. They pulled down the mat, and his legs and feet were hanging out of the mat. He wasn't moving in the smell. It was it smelled bad. You could smell it. The shock had, you know, left us all and we'd realized that one of our classmates had died in our school right beneath us. That was a clip from USA Today's interview with the classmate whose name will remain anonymous because I believe at the time she was a minor. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so now, but it's just to protect her. Yeah, definitely better to do that. So so these students and that teacher pulled the gym mat down to lay on its side and were immediately overcome with the smell of vomit and a decomposing body. They see blood, and that's when the shock left them, and they really started to freak out because they're realizing they found a body. They found Kendrick Johnson. And it's gut-wrenching, even for the living that experienced that, because nobody got out of bed that day and said, well, I'm going to find a body today, you know? At the school of all places, too. Like, holy hell. A a place where they are supposed to prevent things like this from happening. Exactly. And then it happens. And then it happens. This part breaks me, though. Jackie was still at the school when they discovered Kendrick's body. So she had to hear through the school that they had found her son. Oh, my God. The cops were immediately called and the school went on lockdown after the discovery. But it's just insane how they discovered her son's body while she was there. I literally, again, I'm not a parent, but I could not fathom. I couldn't imagine how she felt. And this is so heartbreaking to me because as a parent, I can only 
imagine how bad this must have been. Her son was found upside down, tightly rolled up in a wrestling mat that had been stacked up on its end. Surrounding the mat were other gym mats that were vertical. And going back to the bleachers, as I said before, they were the smaller bleachers. They only had two levels to them. Mm -hmm. So these mats were not easy to climb up onto. Like you really had to have hops and good upper body strength to jump up onto one of these mats when they were up on their end. Now I want to talk about how they found his body. Kendrick was five foot nine and 160 pounds. He was originally, before they took the mat down, upside down. One of his arms was by his side, but like curled up onto his chest like this. Mm-hmm. I know you guys can't see, but like, so if you're touching your hand with your chest and your arm is squeezed to you, it's the best way I can explain it for you guys listening. The other arm was reaching in front of him. And this tightly rolled mat wouldn't allow someone to actually get stuck because this mat is so tightly rolled. The opening of the center of the rolled up mat was only 14 inches. His shoulders were 19 inches across. And even with him reaching up over his head, yes, it would take some of those inches away because of how the shoulders move and all that. But it still was too tightly rolled to just fall in. Exactly. Here's where it starts to get weird. Behind his knees, there was a pair of sneakers wedged between the back of his knees and the mat. There was a pair of white sneakers. Mm-hmm. And that makes zero sense how they would have gotten there by accident. So they were very obviously placed there. Yeah, I don't believe for one second that he fell into this mat for, I mean, a number of reasons. But A, if you fell into a mat head first with your shoes on, how would your shoes not only get off of you, but like at your knees? Yeah. Like tucked behind your knees. Like Now this, this just boggles my mind because there was another shoe below him on the floor. The other shoe was outside of the mat. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess the other shoe to this shoe. Like the other pair, basically. Right. The, the other shoe to the pair. Yeah. But this shoe is on the floor, basically in front of where his face is. So it's in front of his face, but below him on the floor. And it's sitting there, and there's this pool of blood. Kendrick was upside down. His feet were at the top of the mat. His head was at the bottom of the mat. And his arm is above him. But looking at the crime scene photos, his arm isn't like fully extended like this mm-hmm. to reach above him. His arm is up. Like, he's reaching above his head, but it's bent at the elbow, so his forearm is kind of going horizontal over his head, you know? Mm -hmm. So, blood is going to settle at the lowest point of gravity. Like, if you find a dead body laying on their side and they've been there for some time, all of the blood will rush to that side of the body, the lowest point. Liver mortis, right? Um, Yeah, so there is a thing of liver mortis, and that obviously does take account into this. But in Kendrick's case, all of the blood has rushed to his head. Yeah, because, I mean, he's been upside down for God knows how long. But according to the autopsy report, which I will get into soon, the report said that purge fluid drained from the nose and mouth. So vomit and blood will come out of his nose and mouth because he's upside down. Exactly. So back to this shoe that I mentioned, this shoe was on the floor... 
but it was sitting on the blood on the floor. But the shoe was clean of any purge fluid. What? It's sitting on top of the purge fluid. There's no vomit or blood on the shoe. Yeah, that's been placed. And here's something to keep in mind. You have to be dead for your body to purge fluid. Like, it happens shortly after death. Mm -hmm. So that shoe, in my opinion, was placed there. And I agree with the family on this one. Why wasn't there purge fluid or blood on top of that shoe? That's what I'm saying, especially if it's sitting directly on top of it. I mean, if that was indeed the shoe he was going after when he quote-unquote got stuck, there would be something on that shoe. Yeah, especially if he was, you know, leaking. I hate that word, but if he was leaking purge fluid and the shoe was directly underneath him sitting on top of said fluids, how in the fuck is it clean? They tried to say that Kendrick lost a shoe and dove down head first, mind you, into the mats to retrieve it and got stuck. But there's too many variables here that point to homicide. That doesn't make sense to me. I, I know teenagers do some stupid shit. Trust me, I was one of them. But I'm not going to insult Kendrick's intelligence. No one that I know of would ever dive head first into a hole to retrieve a shoe. Why not just move the mat? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Why not pick up the mat and literally just get the shoe from the bottom? Like, in no way does it make sense that he would just nosedive, essentially, into this mat. Like, that makes no sense. That makes no sense. I mean, if he had truly fallen into these mats, wouldn't someone hear him screaming for help? Or even, yeah, that. But also, if he had, you know, fell into this mat, then being vertical... What are the chances that the mat would have actually stayed upright? Like, what in the force of him, like, falling into it have knocked it over or knocked the other mats over? Like, how would he have fallen into it and then the mat remain upright and not get toppled over? That that doesn't make sense. And I'm going to get into that even, you know, even later into the case. I've got a few extra good points on that one, but... Like, I mean, I get that these mats are foam and it will most likely absorb some of the sound of screaming or yelling, but someone would have heard him calling for help Uh, unless his body was squeezed in there so tightly that he literally couldn't scream, you know, where you're like, you're, you're so tightly wrapped that you can't scream. It's just strange. Like, personally, I don't think he entered that mat alive or conscious. I don't think he did either. But a lot of people are saying there was like a pickup basketball game that some students got into and that's why nobody could hear him. But even that doesn't make sense because if he's panicking and he's screaming and, you know, you're wiggling your body, either the mats would have fallen over or somebody would have hurt him. Or even more so, let's say it if it was at that game, there's something going on, you know, staff members are in the gym. Don't Not, you th- no, no, it was a pickup game, so it was like only students playing. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Well, my point that I was going to say is if everybody's doing their thing and they literally see this kid ju- nosediving into a mat, wouldn't they? I don't someone know. Would I would I would think someone would be like, what the fuck are you doing? And like, how I don't I just don't see how that would go undetected Somebody or unnoticed. Would interfere because you know, hey, this is dangerous. What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, I just I don't see it. I don't see in any I know, way. I got I, don't I see got it. hollered at a lot for like doing sitting, stupid shit. Right, <laughs> like these mats, like you know, sitting on these mats or climbing the bleachers in a weird way. There was always someone to say, "Hey, you shouldn't do that." No, you know? I'm saying that's that's just absurd to me. So he's upside down on the mat, one arm pinned to his side, the other arm above him. 
like your body is now blocking off all flows of oxygen because of how tightly this is wrapped. Mm -hmm. The blood is rushing to your head and you're unable to scream for help, slowly suffocating. And he was upside down for 21 hours. 21 hours? 21 hours. Oh my God. So yeah, like regardless of... For that long, you have blood rushing to your head. You're going to lose consciousness. Your body's going to lack oxygen. You're going to die. Regardless, at some point, yeah. And that is fucking terrifying. Yeah, that's a that's a real life nightmare. So multiple sources say he shared a pair of sneakers with another student. And in between classes, they would just store these shoes and the mats. But like at the time, they were like on their side, right? So, you know, you just throw your shoes in the hole. The other kid needs gym shoes. He'll come retrieve the shoes Put him back when he's done. Right. So they're saying he shared it with another student. But January 10th was after their winter break. And the gym was apparently cleaned up while winter break was going on. Mm -hmm. So it said that him and this other student were using one of the laid down gym mats, like I said. But the janitor had straightened the mats up to sit on their ends and the shoe fell to the bottom. But even if that was the case, why would you dive in head first instead of just moving the mats? Like, why was there... No purge fluid on that shoe. Yeah, that's because that's still what gets me. Like, regardless of this, that, or that, it does not make any sense in no logical way. Because like you said, I also don't know anyone that would dive into a rolled up mat against the wall to get a shoe at the bottom versus just picking up that mat and moving it. Like, you would just knock over the mat and you would get your shoe. There's no person who would go, oh, yeah, it's, I'm going to I'm going to nosedive. It's literally too much work. That's to what that's shoe. yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's just like it, at, in any case, in any scenario, that makes no when sense. It would just be so much easier just to, OK, move this mat, move this mat. I got the shoe. Exactly. That that's, that's wild. Uh, okay, I'm so telling you, it's wild. The family stated that they believe this shoe was placed there to support the narrative that he was trying to retrieve the shoe, which I tend to agree with. I actually, I definitely agree with that. Jackie and Kenneth even said in an interview that these are not Kendrick's shoes. What? But I could also see how they'd say that because if if he was sharing shoes with this other student and the parents didn't know that he was doing this, they probably would have never seen the shoes at all in their life. Yeah, that that's true. That's so, true. So, you know, on that side of it, that makes sense. And the family and many other people... Believe that Kendrick was murdered. I definitely am with them on that. I do too. And I mean, again, we're only speculating here. You know, don't add us. We're not spinning narrative, but I just don't think that this was an accident. I just don't. Yeah. I'm sorry. The other thing I want to touch on here is the mat. While rolled up, it was measured to be 14 inches. Mm-hmm. His shoulders, as I said, were 19 inches across. This sheriff wants everyone to believe that he was reaching into this upright mat to retrieve a shoe and just fell in head first. Yeah, there's no way. Even with having your arms stretched up above your head, there is no way. As tight as he was and as deep as he was into that mat, there would have to have been considerable force behind that fall to get him that deep into the mat. And if there is that considerable force, it would have just knocked over the mat. Exactly. Like that was head, I was literally about to say that. Your head and arm even, like even if you were doing mm-hmm. arm and head, it would have gone into the mat, hit your shoulders, and you would have toppled over. Yeah, you literally took the words out of my mouth when you said that. That was going to be my next like point. What that reasoning even is that? Even if he, let's just say he did have the force of 
essentially jumping off of a high dive and pin missile drops into this into this mat to get as deep into it as he was that force would have toppled the mat but even over that doesn't make sense because you already have to have considerable hops in order to get up there because it's six feet tall mm-hmm. the bleachers were only you know yay high and then you've got this mat that's way up here so there's no way there's so, no so way. you're gonna sit there and tell me that he's standing up on top of these mats and decides to do a looney tunes up air swan dive into this mat and then knock it over right yeah there's no way that's what I, that's what i'm saying i like i like the metaphor you use like, but that's what i'm saying absolutely no way. absolutely not So when the police and investigators came to the scene, and here's the sketch shit. The Lowndes County Police didn't cordon off the crime scene. That's wild. And when you have heavy traffic moving through that area, you are contaminating the crime scene. Like, every print, every drop of blood, maybe hair or fibers or footprints even. And these people were just, you know, allowed to walk up as close as they wanted. That literally know? is so neglectful. That is so, more than neglectful. So all of it's being compromised from the very beginning. There was even another pair of shoes and a hoodie that was found nearby. And none of these things were collected into the evidence. They just didn't want to do an investigation. They came to the scene with preconceived notions that this was an accident. So they never bothered to even think that anyone else would be involved. And that's literally so wrong on so many levels. Like, it does not matter. You should go into, and now, given I am in no way an investigator, but I would think that you go into every case like that, every scene, you would go into with it with the, with the mentality of you don't know what happened. Exactly. Why would you go into it with the preconceived notion? Oh, yeah, well, this is an accident. So, you know, not much to do here. Like that is insane to me that they find a a a literal kid dead. Yeah. In a mat in a school. And there they just don't take DNA that seriously on or around all these items. And they didn't even bother to test if Kendrick's DNA was on any of those items or his attackers even maybe like that's yeah. that's that's they insane completely throughout the process of elimination and just said, oh, it's an accident. And they didn't bother looking for the owners of any of these items either, because then they could have questioned them to find out what time that student in particular was there match it up with the cameras and that narrows things down and they did none of that that is so like, that is so enraging like, okay who does this hoodie belong to at what time did you lose it did you notice anything amiss when when you were over there exactly like, there was a whole process that that was just completely, completely missed here just thrown out the window they also found blood near where kendrick's body was on the wall like they did test this blood and found that it did not match kendrick but they also never found who the blood belonged to. What? Seriously. That sketch. could have been his attacker's blood. Yeah, because that, you just took the words out of my mouth because that blood could have belonged to his attacker. Like if it wasn't Kendrick's, it I very well, believe. yeah, if it wasn't Kendrick's, it very well could have been someone involved that could have done this to him. Like that is wild. There is no school that is going to just let that blood just sit there. Like it wasn't like a huge amount. But there was a definitely like a pretty but good still, sized like, area. Where, where do you go to school and there's just big amount or not just blood? 
Just blood in the gym. Yeah, it's just blood just dripping down the wall. Yeah, no. A janitor would have cleaned that up. A school would have got on the radio and said, hey, we have blood that you need to clean up. Here's another thought for you. And I don't know if they ever did this, like, in your high school, but they definitely did it in mine. Like, say, for instance, if there was an incident where there was that much blood on the wall... Like, there would be an incident report and a trip to the nurse's office, and it would be cleaned up immediately. You know, things like that. Yeah, there would be something. Because, I mean, that would be considered, like, a really major health risk. You know, other students being around, walking in, touching another student's blood. It's a biohazard. Exactly. That's the word I was looking for. It's a biohazard. And I just don't see how that was left to slip i guess is the term it's definitely weird but like the next thing they didn't wear protective coverings over their shoes so they just went to fuck the dna evidence up even more by not doing that essentially normally great great job you know those little blue booties that like you slip them over your shoes to keep from contaminating the crime scene Mm mm-hmm So the lack of care that was going on in this investigation was just insane. There's even a death scene video that the investigators recorded themselves. And you can see their feet at the bottom of the video that there are just no protective coverings. Wow. how Just their plain shoes. How arrogant to want to record themselves just, oh, being being that careless. That aggroes me so bad because... You know, if that's not the ultimate, I don't give a fuck statement that I I don't know what how is. How are CSI supposed to walk the grid and and find out like if there's any footprints around the area? You know, these footprints belong to these shoes who belong to these students who, you know, like there is a whole trove of information there and that, that is just getting trampled. And on. that whole trove of information is now compromised because now you have footprints from all of the students that can walk up all of the investigators. It's just completely compromised everything. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't lay fault in the students that tore the mat down. They obviously didn't know it was a crime scene. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's different. But like knowingly after when it is a crime scene for the investigators to literally from the get go, that amount of negligence, that amount of not, not caring. I guess that's the best word I can find it. It's just like they didn't care. They didn't care from the beginning because in the beginning they had already made up in their mind what had happened. Yeah. So that just compromised everything and blew everything to shit. Like, I don't understand but that. But even that doesn't aggro me as bad as this next tidbit. The most shocking of it all. The most shocking. They didn't call the coroner until six hours after they found his body. How long? Six fucking hours. Which- six hours? Hours. Which is against the law here in Georgia, like under the Georgia Death Investigation Act, which requires that the coroner or county medical examiner of the county where the body is found or the death occurs, mm-hmm. that they be notified and that a medical examiner's inquiry be made in all deaths that occur in the state of Georgia that meet a certain criteria. And it just, you know, goes on to list the criteria. Mm-hmm. But The minute the investigators confirmed that there was indeed a body there, they were supposed to immediately call the coroner or medical examiner in Lowndes County because then the coroner is supposed to immediately take charge of the body. Waiting six hours like that grossly damaged this investigation. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine. Honestly, I couldn't. When Bill Watson, the coroner, 
was asked what kind of difference six hours makes. He said, it compromises my investigation 100%. I don't know what the county sheriff's office personnel did when they got on the scene, but the death scene, in my opinion, has been completely compromised. He works for the county, and even he is going on record saying, I don't know what they did for six hours, but I do know it messed with what I'm supposed to carry out. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, he doesn't want this gross negligence pinned on him, and I don't blame him. Yeah, because it, it wouldn't be his fault at that point, you know? Side note, we do not encourage our listeners to seek out any of these people and attack anyone on the internet or harass anyone in any don't way. Don't go harassing nobody no. now, no. Okay, thanks. <laughs> so, Kendrick has been found. The investigators compromised the crime scene. And six hours later, Kendrick is in the hands of Bill Watson. Basically, the GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, and Lowndes County Coroner are working together on this at the Central Regional Medical Examiner's Office on January 14th, 2013, carried out by Dr. Watson at 9.40 a.m. The initial cause of death was documented as positional asphyxia. The thing with positional asphyxia, that's something that is found in young children who have hyperflexed their head too far in any direction. Cutting their oxygen off, basically. Yes. Gotcha, yes. gotcha. So this coroner couldn't exactly get any concrete evidence after the six-hour wait, and he basically just said, well, I don't know what the cause of this death is, so let's just call it this, basically. That is so enraging. Because you have a body who is upside down for 21 hours, And during the decomposition, not only is the blood going to settle in the liver at the lowest point of gravity, but it's also going to center in the body at the lowest point of gravity. So you can imagine how his head looked. I couldn't. So according to the coroner's report. God, this is so sad. This is so sad. And this is verbatim from the coroner's report. Okay. The body is received in a body bag lying on and partially wrapped in a white sheet. The portion of the sheet corresponding to the upper body shows varying amounts of decomposition fluid, soiling predominantly centered on the head. The body shows congestive decomposition changes of the head, neck, and torso and bilateral upper extremities. Purge fluid drains from the nose and mouth. Body identification consists of identification tags on the right foot and body bag. The body is clothed in white socks, denim jeans, which are unbuttoned and unzipped, black sport shorts, blue tone boxer underwear, a white t-shirt, a yellow-orange sleeveless t-shirt, and a white sleeveless tank top. The front pockets of the jeans are partially pulled out. The clothing shows varying amounts of decomposition fluids and purge, soiling predominantly involving the shirts, because as we know, he was leaking. Mm -hmm. No obvious foreign body material or acute damage is present. Accompanying the body, lying on and across the upper chest, is a set of white with black wire earphones. One of the attaching wires is broken. A wadded starburst wrapper is stuck to the posterior left proximal forearm or elbow of the left arm. Accompanying the body within one of the pockets of the jeans are three tannish brown rubber band-like hair ties. Numerous pieces of adhered black hair is present and there is no evidence of medical intervention. The body is that of a well-developed and well-nourished black teenage male 
appearing compatible with the reporting age. Congestive decomposition changes are manifested by variable bloating, red, green, and black skin discoloration with and without marbling. Vesicle formation and skin slippage of the head, neck, torso, and upper extremities. The changes increase in degree. Early hair slippage, purge, and a foul odor are present. And then the report goes on to list all the procedures that were completed and there were no other findings. Gotcha. So basically when they're talking about the skin slippage, once you reach a certain part in decomposition, it's basically like your skin just kind of separates from the other layers. Mm -hmm. So when they say skin slippage, like your skin is literally slipping around. Like it's not. It's detached basically. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Obviously, his parents were not happy with the findings, and they wanted a second look at things. I know if this was my child, I would be the same way. After the family had seen how the investigation was being done with KJ when he was found, mm -hmm. Reverend Floyd Rose from the Valdosta Southern Christian Leadership Conference was approached by a Johnson family member and asked if he would do a private investigation into Kendrick's death. No one was listening to them. No one believed them that KJ was murdered, and he agreed to help. And since that point on, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference has been helping his family with this case. The sheriff released a statement stating that Kendrick's death was nothing more than a tragic accident. Yeah, uh, no. That's a no for me. Sorry. Yes. Everybody could look at this and go, um, no. April 2013, during a public rally, the Johnson family held hands and blocked the way at the Lowndes County Courthouse in protest, and they were arrested for civil disobedience. Which is so, so fucking stupid. Sorry, I'm going to say it. it's fucking stupid. And Reverend Rose put up his own home as collateral to bail out his mom and his family out of jail. Oh, my God. The family was being ignored, like their cries for justice fell on deaf ears. And it really pisses me off. Like, come on. Yeah, no, this is a really, really enraging case. So, the following More clip, than enraging. But definitely more than enraging. Like, it's just something about it. Just, mm. But the following clip is Kenneth Johnson, Kendrick's father, on a CNN interview with Anderson Cooper. From the first time that we talked to the chef, and when he came, this cockamamie story of how they found Kendrick. So right there, from the beginning, we had no, no reason to trust them at all, but because they, they didn't show us no justice. In May of 2013, the Johnsons held a fundraising event, and it was hosted by civil rights activist Al Sharpton. Oh wow! It had like really obviously gained traction, and. It was a really big deal that he came out and attended this fundraiser to show his support. Like, Al even gave the family $500 of his own money. And the event ended up raising $5,000. And people were at least thinking that this money raised was going to be reward money. But the family never put up a reward themselves. Personally, I think it went toward funeral costs and such. Like, I definitely don't think that this family scammed the money into their own pockets like that. I believe they used this money for justifiable reasons, and whatever they did spend it on is nobody's 
business. Like, honestly, it's nobody's business what they spend it on. I agree with you. They deserved every penny to help support them at the time that this was going on because not only did you lose a child, but you lost your child while under the care and supervision of a facility you entrusted with your child. Not to mention how they were treated and how KJ's scene was handled. It's just a lot, and it makes me really sad. Yeah, no, same. Like I said, this this case is more than enraging, and even though you can't put degrees on, you know, murder and, and you know, tragedy, because we've covered so many cases, some of them being fucking awful, some of them being awful in different ways. Right. You know, so you can't make that comparison, but I can say that this this probably... Sing single-handedly is the most enraging and most saddening, at least one of the top cases that I yeah. think we've covered. Like, this one actually makes me almost lose sleep at night. So, yeah. like, I can't. A local businessman named Roy Taylor gave Reverend Rose $10,000 to use as the reward money. Oh, wow. That's a chunk of change. Yeah. And the Johnson family arranged for Kendrick's body to be exhumed or dug up for a second autopsy. And this is when they hired... A private pathologist, Dr. William Anderson. And this man is well known. Like, he did some high-profile cases. And he knows what he's doing. He's made several new discoveries regarding Kendrick's body. Mm -hmm. This case, like I said before, has so many conspiracies surrounding it because of this next finding. The pathologist found that every single organ in his body was removed. And his body cavity was filled with crumpled up newspaper. Holy shit. It's shocking to hear, but one thing I found out is some funeral homes, when they're presented with a body with no organs, they will fill that cavity with sawdust, newspaper, and other like unconventional materials to fill a body cavity with. So that way, like the sunkenness doesn't show at the funeral yeah totally which also surprises me because sitting here thinking about it wouldn't his funeral had to have been a closed casket funeral because of like how his face looked i mean you would think i mean you would think i can't say for sure but i mean you would think so that just like my thought process is is why even bother filling a cavity when you can't even show the body without shocking people, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's true. That's definitely a point to make. But the funeral home that laid him to rest was the Harrington Funeral Home in Valdosta, Georgia. And they were the ones to process the body after the GBI was done with it. So Harrington states that when they received the body from the GBI, his organs were gone. That is wild. They received his body like that. That's what they said. So, it's believed that when he had this autopsy done, that the organs through natural decomposition were destroyed. But I looked over the first autopsy report, and they documented, like, his organs were intact and normal with no focal lesions or, you know, what have you. Any severe damage. They signed a document stating that the funeral home, they signed a document stating that they received all his belongings and all his organs were intact, but all of those things are now missing. That's a little sketch. That the, is a little sketch. Yeah. And the funeral home maintains that it received the body with no organs, but also said that sometimes the organs are thrown out and it's normal practice or procedure, but it still makes zero sense to me. Like, why would you sign a piece of paper saying 
that his organs are there and intact and you have his belongings if you have none of those things. Yeah, or even more so, if the organs were removed, why was it noted that his organs were okay? I mean, considering the state they were in, why were they removed without a note of where they were going or why? Like, whether they were going for... Because normally, like, that is the part of the consent. Like, they would ask you, do you want the organs back in the body? You know, do you want them to go to donation? You would have some note of some sort. Do you want them to go to research? Exactly. You would have a note saying something that they went somewhere, but for them to have signed a document, as you said, stating that his organs, given the state that KJ that was they, in, that yeah. their organs were basically fine, but they're removed with no trace of where or why. Right. That's a little sketch. And also, this invites you listening. If any of you work in the mortuary field or have experience with this kind of thing, please let us know if this is standard procedure or like, you know, just just fill us in on how this process is supposed to work because I'm not a professional in this field. You aren't either. Right. We're only speculating, but I do find it weird. I just find it weird that there was no record of like why or where his organs went. He just shows up yeah, ready to be processed by the funeral home and he's just full of newspaper. That is just, I mean, A, that's, that's fucking well, sad. No, well, no, it wasn't full of newspaper. Like the funeral home Put the newspaper oh okay 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 true true yeah, true gotcha 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 i'm sorry if i didn't clarify that but when he got to the funeral home apparently his organs were gone and his you know uh effects were gone so they filled the body full of newspaper at that point right. gotcha okay that makes sense i mean still though still though my point stands with there no there being no record of like where his organs went or why. Yeah. I just think that's weird. So if any of you listening know more about the topic than we do, please feel free to shoot us a message and let us know. Cause I would personally love to know, but right. is this standard procedure or is this sketch? Like can personally say, I would love to know. So, so following up with the whole newspaper fiasco, <sighs> like the Georgia secretary of state office did an investigation on the funeral home and they did not find them guilty of any wrongdoing. Okay. Although they did admit that they found it insensitive to the family to cheaply fill his body with newspaper. Like, that's that's saying, well, you're trash. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to make that remark earlier that that's a little, you know, going the good old cheap way with someone. That's kind of that's kind of shitty. Yeah, but, many you know. sources say that this funeral home did this service for the Johnson family for free. Mm-hmm. And with newspaper being a very cheap material to use to fill a body cavity, I guess they... That was their reason. They they were were trying trying to to, do the budget way, basically. They were trying to cut costs since it was a free service, but still fucked up. I mean, it's like, good fucking God, can the kid not get some form of fucking tender gentleness? Like, can he not? After right. the fact, you know, it's just enraging but shit. Back but continue. To the private pathologist, like they found something on Kendrick that revealed something sinister may have happened. May twenty third, twenty thirteen. Reports came out from two paramedics from South Georgia Medical Center Mobile Healthcare Services. These two paramedics took one look. And they said to the officers on the scene that this should be closed off as a homicide. Oh, wow. They literally said that. In their written statements, they said from what they saw, there was definitely foul play. Oh, wow. Wow. Meanwhile, 
Dr. William Anderson, the private pathologist that was hired by the family, Mm -hmm. he discovered that Kendrick had blunt force trauma to the back of his neck. What? He claimed that suffocation would not leave this kind of mark. There was a small bruise less than an inch on the back right side of Kendrick's neck. And his findings are as follows. Blunt force trauma, right neck. Acute hemorrhage, soft tissues of the upper upper neck. Acute periosteal hemorrhage, posterior body, right mandible. And areas of acute hemorrhage involving carotid artery bifurcation. He reviewed the initial autopsy and stated the pulmonary findings were consistent with rapid onset death. And his findings were not consistent with positional asphyxia. Oh, my goodness. No shit. So, basically, something hit him in the neck with enough force in that way, like the two-way split in his carotid artery, to make his heart stop and internally hemorrhage. Oh, my God. There's a bruise that's only two to three centimeters small. So, he had to be hit by something. So, he's saying the cause of death was blunt force trauma, and then he was rolled up in his in this mat. So not positional asphyxia. Not positional asphyxia. Oh my goodness. Asphyxia, asphyxia, am I saying that right? Tomato, tomato. Okay, I'm sure you guys get what we're saying. (laughs) Well, this guy is a board-certified forensic pathologist, so you can trust that this man knows his shit. Exactly. As notoriety climbs, the hashtag give us the tapes was a widespread thing. Mm -hmm. I do remember that. I do remember that hashtag. His photos were being shared all over the internet, labeled with this hashtag, and you had everyone on the internet chiming in with things that they noticed in these photos. And it was madness. Like, think Kanika Jenkins madness. Oh, my goodness. U.S. Attorney, Middle District of Georgia, Michael Moore, announced on October 31st of 2013 that the FBI was going to investigate the death of Kendrick Johnson. While they were looking into everything, they go, wait a minute, there's four CCTV cameras in this gym. Where is the footage? Right. I mean, right. The police did not ask for the footage right away. They literally let the school just hold on to this footage for however long. And when they finally did ask for the footage of that day, the school basically determined what they thought should be turned over. Wow. Sounds great. And unfortunately, this happens a lot. And it's frustrating because you you hear in different cases that there's CCTV footage. And then it's like, where'd it go? And you're left wondering Mm -hmm. about the truth. and, And that is because... Of instances like this where the CCTV footage should have been collected immediately. Absolutely. But it wasn't. And so it was left up to that facility to say, oh, well, this is what they're looking for. Give them this. Oh, that makes no sense. That's enraging. That is enraging. Oh, oh, this is going to get even worse. So they had Grant Fredericks, who is a certified forensic video analysis. He's a former police officer, a consultant for the U.S. Department of Justice, and a contract instructor at the FBI Academy in Quantico. Mm -hmm. Like, he knows his stuff. He looked into this footage, and he said, these are not the original files. They got a copy of a copy, and the image quality was altered, and because of all that, there was information that is now lost. Oh, my God. A number of files were corrupted from all of this alteration and copying from the most damning evidence of all is this hole in time 
where the CCTV cameras stop recording at a certain time of day. What? In my opinion, this reeks of a cover-up. Whoever messed with this footage at the school saw what happened to Kendrick, and they purposely fucked it up. That bothers me so bad, and it's not been able to, like, like, I haven't been able to fully wrap my head around why, just why. Someone knows exactly what happened to Kendrick. There were four cameras in that gym. Four cameras. Someone knows what happened. That hole in time I mentioned, one camera records until 12.04 p.m., goes black, and then the image picks up at 1.09 p.m. That is a huge gap of time that is not accounted for. The second camera records up until 11.05, nothing, then picks up at 1.15. The third records until 11.05, nothing, then picks up at 1.16. What a coincidence that all these gaps in times between all the cameras are just magically missing. And the missing. last one records until 12.04 p.m., then nothing, and picks up at 1.09 Wow. Very, very, very big coincidence that, as I said, the gaps in time in which these cameras aren't recording are just really similar. It seems a little, I don't know, sketch. I want you to tell me with all of this that this was some accident. If it was an accident, then why the need to destroy the most important piece of evidence that would give Kendrick his justice? Exactly. Like, if this actually is a case of a tragic accident then give me evidence that shows that because right. right now it's not looking too good right it's not looking too good at all cnn was doing their investigation in light of all this new information that had come out and that's how big this case was and they requested the footage from the lowndes county sheriff's office the clips of the footage when you watch them they show kendrick walking then running and then the footage literally Cuts and jumps to other students walking into the gym. Like it's clearly been like clip edited. The most important camera that was facing the mats was so blurry you couldn't make out anything. You couldn't make out any of the students' faces. You could just barely make out what they were wearing. But looking in the top left corner where the mats were, you can't see anything. Anything at all, really. It's so blurry. You can only see the movement and, like, little flashes of color. But the school maintains that they sent the sheriff's office unedited and raw footage. Bullshit. The sheriff's department is telling CNN that it's unedited and raw. But it doesn't look that way at all. And CNN also questioned if the cameras were some sort of motion caption cameras. And maybe that would explain the jump in time. But... If that's the case, it would have picked up movement at the mats while all this was happening. Like, me personally, when I looked at them, I'm no expert, but these videos were heavily edited to me. And you can find them on YouTube. Make your own assessment. But damn if this isn't some form of weaponized incompetence, then I don't know what. Like, out of hundreds of hours of video, this is what they ended up with? And once this was released to the public, everyone was like... No, something definitely happened. So, well, there's no way that they have all of these. So what you're telling me is like they have all these hundreds of hours of surveillance, but magically the only missing part from these hundreds of hours was just the part that would have revealed what happened to Kendrick. Like how right. convenient that you have everything but that. I'm sorry. I don't so believe it. You can imagine the uproar and rightfully so. Like, they finally, like, the public finally gets a chance to look at these videos, and it's... Bullshit. Exactly. Let me just go ahead and say it for what it is. Bullshit. There's a lot of photos online of Kendrick after his death, and they are gruesome. 
if you're going to look at them, just be aware that it's not going to be pretty. And it's scary looking. But the family wants people to look at these photos because they knew this was no accident. Yeah, there's no way. And when they got word of the botched footage, they were like, what the fuck? Yeah, even more so, what the fuck? It just solidified it for them that they were right in saying that he was murdered. And the Johnson family released all these photos to the public. They want people to see what their son looked like. They want people to know and question and help find justice. So if you do look at them, you basically have their blessing to look at them. Yeah, see, the first time that we recorded this episode, I hadn't seen the pictures of Kendrick. But in the past two weeks, I have. And holy shit. Yeah. I had a very hard time. I had a very, very difficult time making it through. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I had a very hard time. Processing it. I had a very, very hard time. The problem with these photos, though. Absolutely broke my heart. People found out that the picture of Kendrick, like the really messed up picture of his face looking severely deformed, where his forehead basically looks like it's folded. Um, His family was using that photo everywhere, on t-shirts, on posters, and protests, like everywhere. Well, this picture was shortly after the autopsy. So, Jackie and Kenneth lost credibility, actually, and less and less people were supporting them now because, of course, of course the body's going to look different after the autopsy. Like, if they were going to use a picture and gain credibility, it should have been a picture of his face at the scene, not after the autopsy. Yeah, that's that's a jump. Yeah, because they were using that disfigured photo and saying, this is my son and he was assaulted and putting it all over posters when that that wasn't what he looked like when he was discovered. Yeah, it's like I like I get it. Like on one side. Yeah. Like I get them wanting to, you know, like, hey, this is my son. This is what's happened to him. Like, I can can get the passion behind that. But at the same time, it's like you said, it does damage the credibility a little bit to because, you know, an autopsy, that's that's hefty work. And I'm I'm not an autopsy technician. I don't do any of that. But that is a lot that his body went through after he was found. And for them to, you know, use those pictures versus how he was found. I also see on the side of the fence to where like it damages credibility. I'm trying to give my feedback in not a disrespectful way, because regardless of, I mean, I get why, like I get why, you know, like I I understand. I get putting the pictures out there, but make sure you have the correct photo. Yeah. That, that will damage the credibility, but a missed opportunity. And I listened to Morbid's podcast, and um, <gasps> who who was it that is the um, the technician? Elena. And okay. let me say before you go any further, uh, we stand Morbid. So Elena podcast. actually goes through the process of because she went back and she said they did open his skull during the autopsy, so she sat there and went through the process of like where they make the incisions the fact that like when they go to look at your skull your skin is separated on the forehead from the from like your skin is separated from the skull basically Mm -hmm. and he already had skin slippage so when they pulled his skin back to look at his skull 
And then they went to just lay it back over. He ended up with like this deformed hump on his forehead. So they were using that photo because that photo does look like he got hit in the face with a very heavy object. Like, yeah, it's bad. I saw it's it. It's really bad. bad. It's bad. So they used that photo instead of using the initial photos of just him after he was found. And unfortunately, it just did not work out for them. It just damage the credibility it it did did, sadly and before we go any further because i was gonna make the point earlier i didn't but uh just yeah i'm a huge fan of morbid podcast and now that i have uh fangirled my ass almost out of this chair into the floor into the point (laughs) of having a stroke you can continue i'm done (laughs) i'm done so on july 28th of 2014 the johnson family filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the lowndes county board of education and its superintendent and the principal The lawsuit basically claimed that Kendrick did not just fall into a mat and die. No way. He was attacked or injured in some way and then put into the mat. And the lawsuit pushed that there was a racist motive behind it. Mm -hmm. And the lawsuit specifically covered one kid who had bullied Kendrick in the past, attacking him even in front of coaches and teachers. Oh, the Johnson family had complained to the administrators and teachers about this kid, but nothing ever came of it. This boy that they're referring to is named Brandon Bell, who was a wrestler, and Brian Bell, who is Brandon's younger brother and classmate of Kendrick. Their father, Rick Bell, is an FBI agent. Oh, you don't say! <laughs> Which has definitely sparked a lot of conspiracy about the case. It is... Known that Kendrick was bullied by both of these boys and was harassed by them. And this had been going on for quite some time. Yet when interviewed, he claimed that he had nothing to do with Kendrick's death and that they were good friends even at the time of his death. Oh, really? You were such good friends that you would attack and bully him in front of coaches and teachers? Like, miss me with that bullshit. The lawsuit also claims that the security footage of the school cameras were not working well enough to ensure the safety of the students in attendance there. Like, not just Kendrick. All the students were at risk because of these crappy cameras. Mm-hmm. So the social media fervor spread like wildfire again with screenshots of Brandon Bell walking through the school on January 10th, 2013, pointing out what looked like blood on his sweater. There was something dark on the sleeve of his hoodie, and he was walking down the hall with a trash bag of clothes. Remember, I told you he was a wrestler. Mm -hmm. But there was outrage that he wasn't DNA tested. The mark on his sleeve, it was actually a logo. There was no blood on his sleeve. Gotcha, gotcha. And if you don't know this fact about me, hi, I was the only female on the wrestling team for my high school. And wrestlers would bring trash bags to carry smelly, sweaty clothes in And have a fresh change of clothes so you're not marinating in these sweaty, wet clothes all day. That would make sense. So there's obviously, like, there's wild speculation being thrown around. Ebony Magazine got involved by stating in their magazine that these boys had something to do with Kendrick's death. Even though the magazine didn't mention their names specifically, the descriptions of them matched. So they were talking about Brendan and Brian. Gotcha, gotcha. In August of 2014... Brendan and Brian's parents filed a $5 million lawsuit against Ebony Magazine. They claimed that their children were being harassed and bullied because of the article and because Kendrick's mother had talked about those two boys harassing and bullying her son. 
Those two boys also refused to help in the investigation at all. Convenient. I mean, maybe because their father's an FBI agent and they were told not to help or comment in any way. I don't know. They were not willing to cooperate in any facet of the investigation. And to me, that's telling. Very, just a little bit. If you were good friends with KJ and you would think that you'd want to maybe help your dead friend get justice... And rule yourself out of any foul play, maybe? like. But yeah, there's there's just nothing here. They were just like, nope, nothing to do with it. So the Johnson family's intentions were not a witch hunt. They only wanted justice for their son. Which you cannot blame them for. I will say that a hundred times on this episode. Like, good God. So, I mean, obviously to them, the first thing that comes to mind is anyone who was mean to or had harmed their son during his life. They maintain to this day that these boys were not friends with Kendrick. And I believe them. I believe them 100%. Yeah, because when you're friends with someone, as you know, like, I know your mom. You know my mom. Like... You were practically family. Right. So, how, how are you good friends, but the mother is going, no, you weren't. From what you're saying, the only context of communication that she's familiar of with the bell brothers is having to report them all the time because they were bullying and harassing kendrick so i don't see where they would be friends i'm sorry i just don't cnn actually got involved after interviews with like the johnsons and took the crime scene photos they took these photos to harold copus who is a former fbi agent and private investigator. Mm -hmm. And even he said that he doesn't understand why the investigators flubbed the collection of evidence. Like, he even pointed out in one of the photos of the sweatshirt that was found a few feet from his body, there was something on that cuff that they could have tested, and they didn't even take that into evidence either. So the handling of this case is disgusting and incompetent. Yeah, it's really, really enraging. Like, just knowing that, that hoodie or any bit of evidence that was found near beneath around Kendrick could literally have answered this case for us. And like the fact that they just trampled all over that is just insane. It's just insane. It's insane. And it's sad. So it was rumored that there was some sketch stuff happening at these mats. Like there was some beef over a girl. Apparently allegedly Kendrick had shared a love interest with the same girl as another boy. Oh God. And March 17th, 2014 CNN gets an anonymous email with access through the Georgia open records act. And this letter was sent to the sheriff's department on January 27th, 2014, Written by a teenage girl who will stay anonymous, although the sheriff's office obviously found out who this girl is and questioned her. But her letter to the police said that someone had confessed to murdering KJ. What? She named four students and investigators spoke to them and quickly like ruled them out. Okay. But some of these students stood before a grand jury to testify their alibis. All were found to not be connected. But okay. this letter reads... Oh, you actually have the email? I have the I have the letter, yeah. Oh, okay. My best friend was at a party Saturday night with Redacted. And Redacted was upset about something Redacted said to her. So her and my best friend started talking. And by the end of the night, Redacted told my friend everything that the nation has been wondering for the past year. She told my friend what really happened to Kendrick Johnson. Redacted said that a little over a year ago, she had sexual intercourse with Kendrick Johnson while dating Redacted. 
Redacted found out and threatened KJ. KJ told Redacted to meet him in the old gym after third block and he would have his knife ready. Redacted, 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 <laughs> met KJ and killed him. So there's four names that are being redacted, but they met KJ and killed him. Oh, my God. Redacted also had been heard admitting to killing KJ more than once over the phone. His brother, Redacted, also got drunk at a party on 4th of July and told many people that Redacted killed KJ. And he, Redacted, was tired of keeping it a secret. Oh, my God. So nothing amounted of this, however. They didn't have any evidence that went along with the story. But just think of all the information that was lost because of the tapes. The six-hour wait fiasco. All the way the investigators completely botched the investigation. All of this stuff. Like, there's no evidence. There's no evidence at this point to support anything. There's no. Because they botched all of it. There's no evidence to support these four people attacking KJ because the crime scene has been contaminated. Oh, my God. So, Michael Moore, who launched his own probe more than a year ago, claimed that they were targets of the grand jury's investigation into Johnson's death. However, Brian and Brandon Bell produced alibis backed up by witnesses and video surveillance footage showing that they were nowhere near the gym where KJ was last seen January 10th, 2013. So both Bell brothers had alibis. Both of them. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, at the time of Kendrick's death, Brandon Bell was on his way to a wrestling tournament. Brandon had his wrestling match at 4 p.m. So the school bus would have left a little before or around noon because this wrestling match was like four hours away in a different county and a teacher had put an itinerary somewhere online and people thought that he left it for but that was not the case he was already on his way to the wrestling match and his brother was supposedly in class nowhere near the gym Gotcha. Uh, on the 10th. Gotcha, gotcha. So all phones and computers were seized from the Bell family and they found nothing but with Rick Bell being an FBI agent, like, I don't know, man. Yeah, I was about to say, I was about to bring that up, like, I don't know, did they really find nothing, or did they just get, I don't know, paid to shut up about it, who knows? Yeah, and because of all of this, like, Brandon Bell's scholarship to play football as a linebacker was actually revoked. Oh, shit. Yeah, because they didn't want to be responsible for giving a scholarship to a potential murderer, basically. Every word we broadcast of this is going to be scrutinized by the blogosphere, the Twitter sphere, and so on. Yes, sir. It should be. And I want everybody to know the truth. And, uh, I mean, they can ridicule me, and they can, they can say whatever they want, but in the end, the truth will prevail, and everybody will find that me and my brother have been innocent and always will be innocent. The Johnsons believe that the boys were involved and their father, Rick Bell, being an FBI agent, was covering it all up in conjunction with the school, which I totally get. Like, it seems that way. But in January of 2015, the Johnsons family filed a $100 million lawsuit stating that Rick Bell, the FBI agent, ordered his sons to kill Kendrick. They claim that his death is not an accident, but a murder. The Lowndes County attorney, Jim Elliott, stated that the allegations are unfounded, baseless, and it really is a wild accusation. Like, even though something may make sense with woulda, shoulda, coulda, 
kind of stuff. Like, there's still no evidence to prove anything like that. And I think that they were trying to cast too wide of a net with their accusations. Like, they were just off the wall just trying to find any type of answer of what happened to their son. And it kind of drove them crazy in a way. Well, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, if you think about it, because... We can't sit here and, you know, spin narrative and blindly, immaturely throw accusations. You have to take into consideration that just as much as it's a real possibility that these kids were involved and actually did do there's something also to Kendrick. There's the possibility that they're not involved. There's Exactly. There's that equal existing possibility that they weren't and they actually are completely innocent and had nothing to do with this. So. I see to where that whole metaphor that I really, we know I love my metaphors. When you said casting too large of a net, I can see to where that, that would be damaging. You know, yeah. that would be damaging, even though, I mean, it's valid that they're fighting as hard as they can for justice and they are trying to cling to anything they have because they've been given nothing. But they just got to rein it back a little yeah. bit. Just, just a little bit. I, like, I, do, I see that side. I, I see both. I see I both sides. I understand, like, they had a loss of a child and, and, like, the worst thing for a parent is to grieve a child. It's supposed to be the other way around. And Right. You know, I understand from their standpoint, like, why they're just going and just this happened and that happened and this is going on. And, you know, like, I understand because they are just reaching for anything right now, just any answers. And then to get no answers back is like the worst in the world. Or not even to get no answers, but to get more questions more questions than answers. And yeah. that's, that makes it even more frustrating. You know, it's like this. This is just really sad. So in November of 2015, like, emotion, good God, this is sad. I'm, right. We are going to have to have some form of like lo-fi music and Animal Crossing and crying <laughs> after this. I'm telling you. We usually save that for the outro, but I'm going to say it now. I'm definitely going to need that after this. Like, this is sad. This yeah. is fucking sad. It's, it's really heavy. So... In November of 2015, a motion was filed to stay the case. A stay of proceedings is a ruling by the court in civil and criminal procedure and halting further legal process in a trial or other legal proceedings. Um, so the court can subsequently lift the stay and resume based on events taking place after the stay is ordered. So putting this case to rest for a while until something further comes to light, basically. The stay was denied, and shortly after, Jacqueline Johnson dismissed the lawsuit. They canceled it because they were hoping the Department of Justice would do their investigation, and then they were going to refile. However, Jackie and Kenneth had involved a bunch of other people and accusations and things like that, so they dismissed their own lawsuit, basically. Oh, wow. Like, they were sued for more than $850,000 in attorney fees and a million dollars for defamation Oh, again, I'm going to say it. That's a chunk of change. That's a chunk of change. So sometime in 2015, Reverend Rose actually recanted that he believed Kendrick was murdered in a way to diffuse these situations that were arriving wow. um you know because like the family has all these lawsuits going on all of this stuff is going on and he's basically going okay wait a minute maybe kendrick wasn't murdered maybe it was an accident like just trying to diffuse he changed his tune a little he, bit he definitely did june 20th 2015 
2016, the Department of Justice finally concluded their work and announced that they would not file any charges against anyone related to Kendrick's case. Oh, wow. Do you know who Anonymous is? Uh, yes, absolutely. I figured you would, but they got involved as well. What? Anonymous got involved? Anonymous will, like, look into these things to decide, like, whether or not they want to become involved. Well, they got involved. They wow. immediately said, Ooh. actually, this is a cover-up. <laughs> <laughs> they released a 10-minute video explaining how they came to that conclusion. And this is a small excerpt from this recording. Listen to this. There is a cover-up of mass proportions in Valdosta, Georgia. There is no way that the official story could be the truth. KJ was found beaten and bloody stuffed inside of a method he could have gotten out of. The collection of evidence was mishandled purposely to help cover up the crime. The surveillance was edited with hours deleted. The only DNA tested the blood on wall to match KJ's and it didn't match. What really happened to Kendrick Johnson that day? Who killed that boy before he could begin exploring life after high school? Why did the authorities not do a full and complete investigation into the death of this teen? With every piece of new evidence that is revealed, there are more questions raised than answers given. Some black students were told they were not allowed to be interviewed by law enforcement. Administration at Mounds High School told students if they talked, their graduation would be threatened. The people of Valdasta know a cover-up has taken place and that local law enforcement will harass and arrest them for providing false statements. The people are afraid of the backlash if they come forward. The time has come for those people to join the fight for justice. Expose the corrupt for who they are. Expose the racism that is alive and well in Valdasta. The time has come to stand against the oppressors and fight for the truth. We are anonymous. We are legion. We do not forgive. We do not forget Bounds County, Georgia. You should have expected us. Bitch, when I tell you... I've got chills all I over have, my body. I have goosebumps in places that goosebumps should not be. <laughs> that just absolutely touched my soul like holy so moving. shit i did not know that they got involved in this that is wild it that is that so... was literally that was literally so moving yeah yeah that, oh, like literally i'm bitch, sitting here just shivering thinking about it of all the things that i am okay i am not <laughs> oh my god like literal just fucking like full body goosebumps like I know, holy shit I know. Yeah, holy shit too. So, as I said earlier, people of color in Valdosta have been stifled from speaking up before. And they did it again in this case. Like, I don't know if anyone caught that in the recording. But, yes, they did say that they were threatening black students not to speak up or their graduation will be in jeopardy. What the fuck? So, there was a semi-recent article that covered the fact that there were political rallies in Valdosta... And people of color were not welcome or allowed to be there. They were taken out of any involvement. This needs to be addressed, right? And it needs to be taken into account how people of color are treated in Valdosta. And and also all over the world. Um, as I said before, I'm not calling the citizens of Valdosta racist. I am saying that there is something going on in Valdosta and people should take a little more care to look out for those around you. Like, you know, if you see something going on, obviously, if you see something, say something. And, exactly, yeah. And There's definitely some sketch shit. Yeah, like, if this was a tragic accident, then prove to me that this is an accident. 
all the evidence that's there, like, this has obviously been tampered with and carried out in a gross and despicable manner. Like, prove to me that this is an accident, because right now, like... It's, it's not looking too good. Yeah. Because I, again, my opinion has not changed from the first episode to now hearing the updated, you know, all of the new it's research you've it. done. If it, Yeah, if anything, it solidified it even more for me that I do not in any way think that this was an accident. There's no way. I'm right. sorry. On August 10th of 2017, a judge ordered the Johnson family to pay $292,000 to the attorney fees and the dozens of people they ended up accusing in their lawsuit. Oh, my goodness. And also, CNN got in touch with Chris Prine at the sheriff's office, and there was an agreed-upon interview that was to take place. Mm -hmm. CNN wanted information on the case. And here in Georgia, there's a Freedom of Information Act. So under the Georgia Open Records Act, all public records are available for inspection and copying unless they are specifically exempt from disclosure under the law. Gotcha. I'll say it again. This was an agreed-upon interview. Once the CNN reporter got there... A black reporter, Chris Prine, changed his tune and immediately ushered him out of the building. Of course he did. Prine? Hi. Victor Blackwell, CNN. Chris Prine. The Sheriff's Department has denied a cover-up, but we took the Johnson's concerns to Lowndes County Sheriff Chris Prine. Got some questions about the Kendrick Johnson case. Why not, sir? Because our case is The family has some concerns about why some things were not taken into evidence. There was blood on the wall. Discuss the case with you. And what, why is that? Because I don't want to. Then, less than a minute after he'd invited us in, why did you not understand that I said I'm through talking? He ushered us out. So either this sheriff was afraid he'd slip up and say something he wanted to keep hidden. Or it was because this was a black man asking why this case was ruled as an accident and why the lack of care at the crime scene. And he just lost his shit. Or a combination like, of both, even. Could have been. And he was just like, no. If this, like, seriously, if this is an accident, tell me why. Why he, are you so tight-lipped? He literally said, I'm done talking about it. <laughs> I, my, our case is closed. Like, really? <laughs> so the Johnson family, again, have Kendrick exhumed. And autopsied again. A third time? A third time. And the findings were non-accidental blunt force trauma. Oh, really? So that's two out of three stating that this was no accident. Hmm. February 9th, 2018, there was an affidavit that was filed that said someone confessed that their friend confessed to the murder. All the names have been removed from the document, so there'd be way too many redacted. But the statement basically said... The person struck Kendrick Johnson in the neck with a 45-pound weight or dumbbell. Holy shit. This person that did this also facilitated or aided in the editing of the high school surveillance video by corrupting or deleting some one hour and 25 minutes of the original recording. What? The only update that I have that's recent, January 2020. And this is the last piece of information I have, unfortunately. Kenneth and Jacqueline Johnson filed a suit for $75,000, naming an FBI agent and his sons, Lowndes Superintendent Wes Taylor, former Lowndes County Sheriff Chris Prine, Lowndes County Sheriff's Officer Stride Jones, Stephen Owens, who is the owner of a transport service, Lowndes County itself, 
and the medical examiner Mary Ann Gaffney Craft and Robert Bryan and a death investigator at the GBI. Like they went after like the whole crew. Unfortunately, like I said, that is the only update. So, so far, we don't know what will come of that. This case remains unsolved to this day. And our hearts go out to the Johnson family. We hope you get the answers you've been searching so long for. This is a devastating loss and we are with you in spirit. And that concludes the case of Kendrick Johnson. Woo! <laughs> I do want to thank the listeners for being patient and, you know, allowing me to redo this episode um for sure for sure we appreciate the civility i mean my thoughts on this has not changed one bit i absolutely believe that this was a crime of passion that was a cover-up do i think there's some racist elements to it yes i do same i do too i do do too um but you know we, we weren't there all we can do is speculate and take the information in as we do and analyze it as we do and and it's just been um it's been a journey with this one it's been a ride it definitely has been and i can say too as compared to the first episode you did on this case to now it's like you said my opinion has not changed or shifted if anything it's just solidified even more what i believed initially but with all of this accurate information right yeah i mean that's just what I think. I'm sorry. I, I mean, do, it definitely put some validity into it, you know? Do I believe that something happened? Yes. Do I believe that that something was him accidentally falling into a mat to get his shoes? <laughs> no. no. Absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely so not. we do appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, let us know what you think of this episode. Ray has been working very hard, and we appreciate the civility. We appreciate you reaching out to us and contacting us and letting us know when we fall short. You know, we're human. It happens. But if anything, we hope to just take that and rectify it. So we appreciate all of you. We we love you guys. We love you. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We will be back next week with one of my cases. And you can count that it's going to be sad because they always are. And if you want to follow me and Ray and all of our weird then you definitely can. You can find, find us, us on Facebook at <laughs> Gore Report, a true crime podcast. <laughs> on Instagram at Gore Report Podcast. And on Twitter at Gore Report. We, we just love you guys. We owe all of you a pound of our flesh. <laughs> <laughs> now time to go cry and watch uh, cartoons and play Animal Crossing, I exactly. guess. So we love you. Bye. Bye. Are you afraid? You should be. You should be.